Hello and welcome to the MSL Consultant Podcast. I'm your host and founder of MSL Consultant, Aoife O'Dwyer. Today on the podcast, I interview Eleanor Goldberg, VP of Medical Affairs. This episode provides a step-by-step guide to organizing cross-regional educational masterclasses as a pre-launch activity. In this episode, we go step-by-step in terms of this medical affairs initiative, how to find KOLs, how to choose an institute, and why this type of medical affairs activity is effective and the outputs from it. Enjoy the episode. Hello, Elnora, and welcome to the MSL Consultant Podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. So before we get into the topic today, can you introduce yourself to the audience? Yeah, I'm happy to. So my name is Eleonora Goldberg. I have been in the uh, pharmaceutical industry and more specifically in medical affairs for over 20 years. Um, After getting my PhD, I knew I wanted to go into industry and eventually found my way into the MSL role, which I loved and I did for quite a few years. And then I decided I wanted to try what in-house was like. And so then I went to a large pharmaceutical company and I was there for essentially a decade. So um, really enjoyed the experience and opportunities at the regional, local, and global levels, uh, doing all different aspects of medical affairs. And so after my time there, I realized I wanted to go into a small company and see what it would be like to run a medical affairs team. And so I I made the leap from large to the small company. I did that and absolutely enjoyed that experience and learned a lot uh, about the differences between the large companies and the small companies. And then most recently, last couple of months, I I joined a small company to build out a medical affairs organization. So um, all the different challenges that come along with with starting from pretty much from scratch and, and having the opportunity to educate and grow a team at a very exciting company. And so I'll also say that um, the views expressed today are my own and not and do not reflect those of my employer. So I want to make sure I had that disclaimer early on in the conversation. Perfect. Thank you for that. And you mentioned briefly a little bit about um, regional medical affairs team. For those listening, can you provide an explanation of cross-regional medical affairs activities? What does it mean and why is it beneficial for a company to do cross-regional medical affairs activities? Yeah, that's a great question. And so I think it's good to describe the differences between local, regional and global. And depending on the company and depending on the size, you may have different aspects of this. You also have some that are more centralized and and some that are more at the local level. And so when I when I think about a local level, it's a local it's a country, right? It's a it's a country that has its own group of medical affairs professionals, likely medical directors, MSLs, medical advisors that are responsible for the needs of that individual country, engaging with opinion leaders in that individual country. When I think of regional, this is a group of countries that come together and are then uh, managed at a, a higher level than an individual country. And this can be things like Latin America or um, Asia, JPAC, we call uh, Asia and Pacific or Europe. Um, U.S. tends to be a country and a region because of the size of that and the importance of of the country. Um, So generally, U.S. um, tends to be by itself. Sometimes it'll be grouped with North America or something like that. And then the global is overarching 
over the regions. And, and here it's interesting too, because you can have a regional global structure where you'll have various regions all and then connected by one global, or you can have a more of a global to local model as well. And I've, I've experienced a little bit of both, but that global to local, um, that regional piece isn't as strong as when you have a more of a regional structure in place. Yeah. And looking at um, cross-regional medical affairs activities, can you give an example of what a cross-regional medical affairs activity would look like and how different countries within that region can work together? Yeah, so it's um, that I think is the beauty of working at the regional or even global level. And, and I'll put a plug in here if, if you haven't had the chance to do so, or if you get the opportunity to work in these regional or global roles, I, I absolutely love them. It just gives you so much experience and exposure and uh, ability to do so many things and thinking outside the box and being innovative. So um, when you think of it that way, one example I have is, is a, a masterclass that we did. And, and I have several examples of this, but basically it was um, as we were developing into countries that we had never been before, we were establishing relationships with opinion leaders and educating them on some of our disease states and some of the products that we had. And so one way to do that, because some countries get approval before others, and some countries are involved with clinical trials before others, there's different levels of experience and understanding um, based on that exposure. And so um, one example I had is I had a group of Latin American physicians that I organized um, to do a masterclass at a, a prestigious institution in Southern California. And so by doing this, we had the top opinion leaders in these countries in Latin America come together and come to Southern California. And then we had these top opinion leaders at this institution who developed an educational program and covered some of the key topics that were, were scientifically important. And then also did things like got a tour of the hospital and, and really they were a cross function or cross uh, uh across discussion of what that like what how they improve on both ends so it's one group educating another but discussion really elevates everyone to to a different level of of understanding and ideas and sharing and you mentioned you took the the top opinion leaders from Atam and introduced them to the top opinion leaders in this Californian based institute when you say top opinion leaders, what type of criteria were you looking at to identify these people who would be involved in the masterclass? Yeah, good question, because I think there's generally a good understanding of who opinion leaders are. Uh, when you think of things like, do they publish? Are they involved in clinical trials? Are they top of their institutions? Are they involved at, at, at leadership levels with congresses or editorial boards for journals? That's generally how we pick who our opinion leaders are. Um, but when you get to some of the smaller countries, they don't always have the same opportunity. So if you don't have a clinical trial in a specific country, then obviously they can't participate. And so picking who your opinion leaders are at the local level depends a lot on what are those local opportunities that opinion leaders are taking advantage of. Some of them do get involved in national and international organizations. Some of them develop local and regional organizations on their own, which are very valuable for, for that area. Um, are they top in their institutions, in their cities, countries, 
Um, and even, you know, Latin America is a good example because there's so many countries there, but, and there's no real organized structure like in Europe, but yet there's people that rise up and are influencers across um, the region. And so those are the people that generally tend to be our opinion leaders. I think that's such a brilliant point because there are people, I guess, in LATAM who could be a tier one in LATAM, but globally they might be a tier three. But in the US, for example, someone could be a tier one in the US, but also a tier one globally. And as you nicely put it, that in certain regions, there are different opportunities that help um, elevate the influence and the profile of those particular KOLs. Yeah, exactly. And so you've talked about how you selected the KOLs. Um, how did you choose the Institute in California to kind of say, OK, well, actually, this is the place we want the master class to be held. What did that look like? So a couple of things there. So when you get to the U.S., there's a lot more regulations in place. So we had to make sure that we picked the place that um, could work, you know, first of all, with legal, the legal departments agreed that it was appropriate. Um, secondly, that we had opinion leaders there and we picked opinion leaders that had been involved, heavily involved with our clinical trials. Um, and so they had been involved from the very early stages. They were uh, authors of the publications and they had the experience to be able to share a little bit more. They were really experts in, in the fields and, and there were a couple of different therapeutic areas that we, we focused on. And so um, it was working with them too, to come up with um, what does that two or three day masterclass agenda look like? Do they have all the speakers? So it had to be an institution that had a variety of different speakers that can come in and talk about the different components of the masterclass that we wanted to cover. And so it, it had to include like all those different pieces. And luckily we had, you know, this institution in, in, in Southern California that, that did an amazing job. They also had a, um, a center to be able to have a group of people, you know, a, a large conference room and whatnot to be able to all meet. Um, that was an important component too. And one of the things I'd love to understand a bit more, you talked about there was some great discussion and shared best practice um, throughout the couple of days of the masterclass. Were there people from the medical affairs who organized the masterclass there the entire time so they could learn what each of the different groups were talking about? Yes. Yeah, that that is another component. So um, as you engage, and I think this is an important part, as you engage with countries outside of your own, or as you engage, you know, this cross communication, making sure that the local people are involved. So in the US, for example, the US MSL that covered that institution was involved. So at the regional level, you're planning this, but then the local MSL should be involved. And then the local MSLs were involved in, in Latin America who picked the, who, who should participate too. So you have that um, open communication and transparency across the board. And then of course, at the masterclass, you know, inviting the local MSL, the, the regional team that was involved with planning um, and, and wherever else it made sense to invite and include people. You don't want it to be overwhelmingly the industry or the company compared to the physicians in the room, but there was enough of a group and large enough room that we could have a mix of, of all those different components. Amazing. And I imagine for those members of the team who weren't able to join the discussions, there were minutes circulated to the wider um, relevant brand team or medical affairs team, both in LATAM and the US afterwards. So all of those insights were captured and shared among the team. 
Yes, exactly. And, and not only that, it then gave the local teams the opportunity to follow up after, find out how it went, get their feedback, what the learnings were, how do you spread that information. Um, so it, it then it didn't just end there, it then um, cascaded down um, across these different countries where the uh, OLs came from too. Amazing. And you mentioned at the start that in this particular example, the drug was launched in um, and approved in the US, but not yet in LATAM. So it was a pre-launch activity for the LATAM market. What was the objective of this activity? What were you hoping um, would you would get out of it? Yeah, so it's it's an educational objective. So you want to make sure that you're educating on, on disease state, on the clinical trials, and you, know, you have to make sure you're following the rules and regulations of each individual country. And that's where having local um, people involved, especially from medical, is, is critical because that's their role to make sure that they're following local regulations. One person can't know the regulations across the world. And so that is another key component as well. Yeah, and, and such a, a useful point to understand that although there are a lot of general rules that are applicable globally across medical affairs in the pharma industry, there are nuances within different markets. And it's often only the people within those markets who really understand and can interpret those nuances to ensure that everyone remains compliant. Um, and let me just add one thing there too, because I think it's important when you're looking at, we've talked a lot about the field and the medical education program, but when you're thinking of resources, so medical communications, um, having that model of creating resources at the regional or global level, and then um, and then you have to, at the local level, have that local review just to make sure you're following the same regulations. Um, you're reducing the duplication of efforts of creating resources, but then at the same time, that local review is very critical to make sure that what, what is being said is appropriate for the individual country. And then labels can be slightly different. So if there are updates that need to be happening there or, or those little nuances that, that need to take care at that local level. Yeah, such a valuable point as well that you raised that you're reducing duplication, but also recognize that there are differences within each market, um, which is very important to be aware of. Um, so it sounds like this masterclass was hugely successful, but I'd love to know, were there any specific outcomes of this particular activity? Yeah, there's several. You know, first and foremost, it's building the relationships. So building the relationships between the company and the opinion leaders. Secondly, is building the relationships among the opinion leaders and raising, and then, you know, two and three, I guess, would be raising the profile of some, we talked about tier one, tier two, tier three, but raising the profile of some of the opinion leaders that maybe are local in the sense that it's, they're just known by one country, um, but then by getting this group of top OLs for each country together, they start building out uh, more of a, a regional um, relationships that can then lead to other things like you know I talk about Europe and how there's the MEA that doesn't exist in Latin America and JPAC but you can get groups of people together to start building like organizations that go beyond an individual country and then that can build um, the education and impact patients um, by having that information be spread through more than just one country. So I think that's a huge impact of these types of masterclasses beyond, of course, the education, the knowledge, 
um, there's things that come out of it, like um, expanded access programs when they're not yet approved or when they are approved, understanding how to use and then having the knowledge and the um, relationships to be able to call each other and seek advice on individual cases and things along those lines. So it's really all about the education and the building of relationships to ultimately impact um, the benefit for the patients. Yeah, and obviously uh, within medical affairs, you can educate based on the clinical trials, based on the approved product information. But for this group of experts in LATAM, they got to hear firsthand about the clinical experience of those US doctors, um, which I'm sure was massively important to them because when a new drug is launched, certain people don't have as much confidence using something new. Some people are quicker to adopt newer things. Some people are a little bit slower, but often having the ability to ask someone who has had that clinical real world experience as opposed to just relying on clinical trial data can really help people feel more um, confident and more comfortable identifying the correct patients and the correct way to use a particular drug as well. And, and one more thing too, which is you take the learning. So the first country that goes through the launch you, you learn certain things and, and, you know, there's mistakes that are made. And so the next people don't need to repeat the same mistakes. They can learn from those mistakes and avoid some of the things that happen too. So that's the other benefit ultimately for patients to be able to skip some of the learning curve that the first country goes through. And speaking of shared learnings, is that something that this, your organization did as well? So for example, the MSLs when they're on the field in the US and it was first launched, I imagine there were certain questions and certain trends and questions that came up and potentially were these questions and the answers shared with the LATAM team in the pre-launch phase to kind of say, well, look, these are the types of questions that we kept getting asked. So you might get asked the same questions as soon as you launch as well. Yeah, that's definitely a benefit of those connections that are formed at the regional and global level is to share those learnings and, and again, shorten that learning curve and make sure that the pertinent information is getting out there. And then also the approach of how you're educating and building those resources. So we had one product that had been launched years ago um, in the U.S. and then now is starting to get launched in Latin America. And so... Um, that was, you know, 10 years worth of experience that now you're launching, you don't need to start from ground zero, you get to start from all this experience. And so sharing that information and connecting MSLs too, I think is really important. You can share that experience at the, at the leadership level and at the headquarters level, and that helps, for example, build resources or share resources. But then that knowledge that you can share at the MSL level also really impacts the individual MSL, the individual opinion leader, and ultimately the individual patient. And I'd love to explore that a little bit more. So for those people listening, if you're an MSL based in LATAM, for example, or in the US, would you recommend seeking out your counterpart in a different region just to understand and learn from them and share best practice? Is that something that's typically done in your experience? So what I noticed was that that's not necessarily typically done, and I encouraged it and I made the connections. One of the things I created was a mentorship program where I connected MSLs from one country and another, and, and we're using Latin America. So I'll continue with that, you know, bringing Latin American MSLs with U.S. MSLs, making the connection. It gave development opportunities for the U.S. MSL. Um, and then there was a shadowing component. So the US MSL got to go to the country and then the Latin American MSL got to come to the US. And there was a lot of sharing that took place. 
And um, this, you know, there were learnings were on both ends. It wasn't that it was learning from one, the expert was one, and then the novice was the other, and one learned from the other. The learnings went both ways, because there's a lot of innovation happens in countries outside the US. The US has a lot more regulations in place. So there's a lot of opportunity to make to have those discussions and think about innovative ways to engage. And so um, that I think was a good learning for everyone. Um, but it was it has been a little bit challenging that individual country MSLs individual countries. It's hard to know who your counterparts are. And so we created um, these forums like by TA. So we would get all of the MSLs and a particular TA would come and have a conversation about hot topics or insights or things like that. And so that that builds those relationships. Just as we were talking about building relationships with opinion leaders, here you're building relationships within the within the company that you all work for. And what I found fascinating at the regional and global level is I love the fact that an MSL is an MSL is an MSL. Regardless of where you are in the world, the general description of an MSL and what they're doing is the same. Now, there's, of course, little nuances based on the, the country regulations, based on the life cycle of the product, based on other things. Um, but generally, there's much more similarity across the world than there are differences. And, and one of the responsibilities I had was to ensure that consistency across the world, um, strategic alignment so that you know, you're saying, just like you have a website around the world that says the same thing, you wanna have MSLs around the world saying the same thing. And so that's a, a critical component. And for those MSLs um, around the world listening, reach out to your colleagues that are covering the same TA in different parts of the world. It's fascinating to hear what's similar, what's different, how they dealt with issues. And sometimes you're just the only MSL in that particular therapeutic area in that particular country. And so you don't really have that camaraderie or when you have questions, you don't really know who to go to. You have a plethora of MSLs around the world that are covering it. So find out who those people are and make those connections. And you learn a lot and you grow a lot from those experiences. I think that's such brilliant advice, particularly, as you mentioned, for people who maybe work in smaller companies who don't have huge MSL teams. So you might be a little bit lonely as an MSL because you don't have someone to bounce ideas off. And I love how you talked about different MSLs all sharing insights, because I imagine it would be fascinating to identify if there are any particular trends that are common across different regions, because that's something that would be hugely important to flag at the regional or global level that okay, it's not just me hearing this in my local area, but this MSL is hearing it and this MSL is hearing it. This is something globally that's happening with our product or an opinion of KOLs that needs to be shared because maybe some kind of strategic imperative needs to be changed or we just need to share it with the right people so they understand, um, I guess, the, the value of this particular insight if it is happening across the globe. Yeah, exactly. And it's, you know, you hear something and you may discount it like, oh, this one person said this one thing. Um, but then if you share it, it could be an outlier, or you can end up uncovering a trend of something you're hearing across the world, and then you can strategically adapt to that. So that's an important component, too. Uh, I worked with some people recently, and um, when there was a particular insight trend at a, a global or a regional level, they would get all the MSLs to work in sprints and ask certain KOLs the same set of two or three questions because they just wanted to understand, okay, well, globally or at a regional level, 
what's the general response to this particular question? Um, because then at a regional or global level, they could really look at the answers and say, okay, this is really important for this region, or actually it's really important for this entire global area. Um, so it was a very insightful way to understand more about those insights and uncover, as you said, the true trends that might be happening. Yeah, and that's one of the most valuable things that the field-based team does is bring that information in. And um, so, yeah, it's a great example. Um, Elnora, thank you so much for your time today. It was incredibly insightful and I love the specificity of the example. Um, I learned a lot. I love hearing about these specific examples that medical affairs can do because often I think people talk about medical affairs and how they educate, but without that concrete example, it's hard to know the tactical implementation of that education. I think you did a wonderful job of explaining that today. So thank you very much for sharing your experience. Yeah, and thank you for having me. And I hope that we touched on primarily the field, but also other aspects of medical affairs. I think we tend to hone in on the field, but there's a whole group of medical affairs that goes beyond the field. And um, when you think of it at the local, regional, and global levels, also thinking of the different components and how, how you come together. So it was a pleasure being on with you. Thank you for having me. Wonderful, thank you.